Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining us here at Emerald City Hockey post game live. After another another rough one, there's no way to, there's no other way to describe it really, right? It was another bad game. Um, just a Kraken just can't string together the sixty minute performances. I I just don't get it. It's so not the team that we're used to seeing. It's so not the team that we saw. For the last two seasons. Um, but this one, I mean, it was it started off so promising. You get the return of Brandon Tanev. He gets a goal, contributes, you think, to a second goal. All right, it gets called back for you know goaltender interference, whatever the heck that means. Uh, right? All the memes about that. But the Kraken played so rock solid through the first avalanche, not able to do anything. Kraken are getting shots. It really seems like they've addressed the problems. Second period comes around, and you get the two teams, they, they pretty much play each other to a standstill, I would say, through that second period. It was, it was pretty even on both ends. And then uh, the Avs showed up for the third, and I don't know where the Kraken were because they, they weren't on the ice at Climate Pledge Arena. I know this is sounds terrible, but they had one shot on goal in the entire third period. A third period, they entered down 2-1. It's... It's it's wild, right? I mean, this that's not what we're used to. That's not the team we watched the last couple of years. I, even even year one, that wasn't what this team was. So I'm I'm very confused, especially coming off their last game. Everything that went into the practice that they had yesterday, all the things that were put out there from Dave Hackstall, the message that he was sending to the team, and all the work that they put in, and then um, just to kind of get bitten by the same you know, diminishing energy level, diminishing returns, whatever you want to call it throughout as the game goes on. It's just, it's still very, very strange um, to, to watch and to see. Um, that being said, nowhere you won't have diminishing returns, fun-wise anyway, Flat Stick Pub. Uh, you can go there, play mini golf, play at the, any of the other games at one of their six amazing locations throughout the state of Washington. And then, of course, got the season-long specials, including that post-game dollar-off beer if you attended the game and you show your ticket at the South Lake Union location. So once again, thanks to Flatstick Pub for sponsoring these post-game lives. Got a, got a couple super chats here. Let me get down to them here. Seth with the first one. Thank you very much, Seth. Really appreciate it. What's with Joey playing away from the net? The first two goals were literally put in by an Av behind him in the net. Um, I mean, look, we know about the adventures of Joey Decord. We've talked about that. That's that's his game. It, it is what it is. Um, I will say that. Uh, I, I don't think that it was totally on him, uh, those two goals, as far as guys getting there. Look, the bottom line is the Kraken defense was not great tonight particularly around the net i mean they 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 were somehow playing very close to the crease and yet also not always contributing or doing much uh they were just kind of backing themselves up and then not not really doing much um the abs were that way in the first period which is how you get wenberg right on the disallowed goal you get wenberg kind of doing the same thing where he's just standing there taking shot after shot point blank and just nobody's bothering him um, so I, I'm still, 
I would put those more so on the defense, Seth, than than on Joey. But yes, this is the there's the pros and cons to Joey playing the puck and leaving the net as much as he does. The pros, obviously, being he can move the puck, he can kind of be like a third defenseman back. In theory, if the Kraken were a more transition-based attacking team, that's exactly what you want. You want a goaltender who's going to play the puck more frequently. And it's one of those, yes, for every goal that maybe that leads to, you're getting two, three, four goals going back the other way because he's able to feed your transition and feed what you're doing. Kraken just aren't a very good transition team, so they're not able to really take advantage of what he does. All too often, he leaves the net, makes a play on the puck back to out to a defenseman who just kind of then skates it back into their zone and then starts the breakout. It feels very much like the Kraken haven't figured out how to utilize him within their structure, um, within their, their plan of attack, within their scheme. Uh, and so I would love to see that from them. Maybe, you know, I know this week they're pretty busy, but the next time they get a couple days off, which would be not th- not this next week, but like the following weekend, maybe they could, you know, take advantage of some of that and, and kind of work on some things. Given that Joey is playing as much as he is now, I, I think that would be something that they could do. Schultz with the super chat here. Thank you very much, Schultz. Uh, a no show in the second and third. A tough session by Hack is enough for maybe one period of effort. Has any ref ever changed a call by being yelled at? Done <laughs> with, the, with the emoji there. Um, yeah, I so here's the thing, right? First period, this is what the, the Kraken have done all season, right? I, I don't even know that it was really from the practice last time. I think that was just how the, the Kraken start games. They just get going for games and they, they come out hot. They come out charged up. They make something happen, especially with the return of a Brandon Tanev, big energy player, made the PK look a little better, was able to create chances on the PK, like shorthanded chances. They were doing they were doing really good stuff there. I again, it's kind of inexplicable how fast this team can just fall off a cliff when it comes to momentum and things like that. Like I said, first period, you're, you won that period, right? If we're scoring this like a boxing match or a, you know some sort of combat sport, right? You're scoring this first period in favor of the Kraken. Second period could probably go either way, realistically. I know the, the Avalanche pick up two goals, but the Kraken played them solid. It was really solid. That third one, I mean, you're looking at like a 10-7 scorecard. Like, it's not even close. I Like, just unbelievable. One shot on goal. You enter a period down and you get one shot on goal. I, there's, I, I try to stay positive. You all know this. I really do try to stay positive. But this is something that the Kraken have to figure out. As for Vince Dunn, look, we saw that. We see this from him, right? He can get, you know, when he's frustrated... Uh, the frustration can get the better of him sometimes. I'm with you. No ref enjoys being yelled at. You're never really going to help your case there. Uh, I've never seen in any sport, I'm with you, a ref, you know, pick up a flag or do something just because the player got mad at them. Um, I, I don't always believe that refs then use that for anything else. Uh, I don't think they they then like co- go against you, but it, it certainly doesn't help. I, I will say that. Um uh, seeing this in here, and I just want to mention this, Pablo. Hey guys, sad my dad passed away. Really sorry to hear that, Pablo. Really, really, I, I, all the condolences. Hope you're doing okay, um, and especially through the next couple days. Uh, it's that's awful, awful, awful news. Um, hopefully, we can you know be a little bit of a distraction for you in here, or provide any support that you need. I know the community got your back for sure. Um, 
All right, let's see here in uh, in chat. Coop, not even really angry anymore. Just a sad acceptance of what this year is going to be. We're a one-period team. Need some of these contracts to hurry up and expire. Maybe I'm a pessimist. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe so maybe like the waiting on the contracts to hurry up and expire. Maybe that's a little bit uh, more pessimistic. But look, it's not. I don't think it's pessimistic. I don't think it's being overly negative to talk about the fact that as we have been, this is a one period team. This is a team that just they they can't seem to put out consistent uh, 60 minute efforts. We talked about this last time, right? RJ and I were kind of on different sides of this about how bad that last game was. And I brought up the idea of, yes, they had that full 60 minute effort two days, two games ago against the Avalanche, but that's feeling more and more like an outlier rather than what their normal is. This is very much what their normal is where they can, they can start a game hot, but the momentum just gets away from them and they have, they, they don't have an answer to that. They can't get it back at all. And that's something that they really are going to need to figure out. And I don't entirely know how you're supposed to do that, to be perfectly honest. Um, at this point, you know, I, I guess the obvious ways is, is is with some sort of shakeup, I guess, right? Um, coaching shakeups probably not in the cards. Don't know that that would really end up doing it anyway. We'll see if Ron Francis decides maybe there needs to be a trade or some sort of shakeup that way. I think we're all hoping that having Shane Wright and Ryan Winterton in the lineup would would help, and I think it has. You look at again, they had a really strong first period. Shane, some incredible defensive plays even into the third period. I thought he was really there, but with him just filling in for Belmar on the fourth line, he's not getting a ton of ice time, and he's not playing a role in which he's going to try to provide an offensive spark. That's not really what he's out there to do. That's not what they called him up to do. They called him up to be a replacement for Belmar, and he's actually doing a, a better job than I think any of us probably would have thought he's doing, just given the defense, given the fact that he's winning face-offs, he's, he's contributing in all those ways. Um, this one, I mean, look, did, we, did any of you all notice the Maddie line? Really? Not really? I mean... The lineup shook up with with Tanev coming back into a, like a top six role right on the second line. He had some energy, but then the lines really were getting shaken up throughout this game. Hackstall was moving guys around trying to get something going, and there was just no spark anywhere. And that's that's the thing that's freaking me out. It's just that they're they're not we're not seeing that spark, and there should be a spark somewhere. Uh, B not to be a pes not to be pessimistic. Okay, I guess that's the word of the day for all of us. Uh, but with every game, my hopes for this team are dying a slow, agonizing death. It'd almost be funny how they can play 20 consistent minutes a night if it weren't so painful. They can only play 20 consistent minutes. It is painful. I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. I, like I said, I don't get it, especially because this has never been the hallmark of the team. Go back to year one when this team was, you know, they were bad. They were losing games like they're losing now, right? It was a bad, rough time, year one. But the one thing we always came into these post-game lives and we all talked about, and we we really, it, it endeared us to the team, was the fact that they never gave up, right? They could be down by six goals and they'd enter the third period trying, maybe pick up one or two, right? Like they, they really hung in there and they made sure they finished games. And right now what we're seeing from the Kraken is that they're not finishing games. And uh, this is a new experience. This is uncharted waters for, for us Kraken fans. And it's not, not great. <laughs> not, not great at all. Um, Light with the super chat. 
Just going to be up front. Nothing good to say today. I think Borgen needs to be benched. I've been so frustrated watching him play. Wow. Uh, look, Light, you're generally the most optimistic amongst all of us. I think we would all probably agree with that. Um, so I think this is, but I think this is, that's important to, to recognize that like, you know, we're, we're all at this place now uh, where things really need to change. As for Borgen, I mean, he yes he's always been on that weird like you know is he a second pairing guy is he a third pairing guy for me i've been pretty vocal about that uh, i've probably been more pessimistic about his upside than most people certainly rj i mean we could talk with him about it a little bit when he joins us um I, the d as a whole right now is not playing well like i i don't know that i would single out any one particular player when they're all really rough like they're all struggling mightily. I, we talked about it earlier, right? Uh, coming off of Seth's super chat. It's not as much Joey as it is. You have two defensemen hanging out net front and not doing anything. You've got Shane Wright back checking harder than defensemen at times. You've got Shane Wright getting in passing lanes or, or defending with guys. Ryan Winterton had a great sequence in the first period where he stuck man to man and really covered up in the slot because the defensemen were playing too far back. I mean, they were basically in line with Joey on the two sides of the crease, and there wasn't a reason to be. There was no avalanche player that deep, that down low. So I think that the defense right now needs a shakeup. I, I would probably start, you know, scrambling lines. Something needs to happen there. You need to wake up somebody. Um, I think you could make an argument that Vince Dunn's not playing very well right now as well. Larson's just kind of doing his thing. Uh, he's really starting to press offensively. He's still the only aggressive defender back. Jamie Alexiak, again, he's I feel like he's just kind of doing what he's always done, um, which is steady and it's you know, it's solid, but it's not great. Um, and then Schultz Dumoulin are just I mean, they're a third pairing. I but right now the defense needs something. Um, I, I think you're on to something light as far as whether it's benching somebody or or mixing up the D pairs. I think something's gonna need to need to happen there jessica what is the role of a coach in hockey if it's not to affect attitudes effort and create systems sorry not a fan of hackstall worst record at home equals coaching uh yeah well that's that is basically it right you you mentioned all the things that a coach is responsible for uh they are responsible and most so especially during games there's there's not a ton you can do right you're not going to change scheme entirely mid-game you're not going to go out there and be like all right everybody let's change how we're running the offense that's very very rare in hockey but what you can do during games is as you say, motivate your guys, affect their attitudes, get them going, fire them up, right? Bench a guy if if they're not, you know, putting out the effort that you want. In this case, I don't know who he would bench because they're they're they are all lacking for effort. When you get one shot on goal in a third period of a game, you're you're losing. You, I mean, <laughs> that's not on just any one person uh, that you can single out. So. I, I'm with you. There, there's something there that has always been lacking. That's always been something. Haxtell is a developmental coach. He's he's going to make guys better through practices. He's not, you know, the the motivator on the bench or or in the locker room between intermissions. We've talked about this going back to to year one. Again, something needs to change. If that is if that's the coach, then I guess the coach needs to change. 
I would pr probably think, and I know RJ would definitely say this, that we would see a personnel shakeup before that. Again, they did just re-sign Hackstall to a three-year extension. That's three years in addition to this year. I don't know that they would be so quick to pull you know, the trigger on, on making a move there. Um, they'd have to really feel solid about whoever was going to replace him. I Part of the conversation with the whole Edmonton Woodcroft situation, which was it's hard to find somebody mid season, right? And if you're the crack and you're trying to salvage things for mid season for this year, if you're making that move, and I don't know who you could go out and get, um, I we're going to talk about it tomorrow on the deep dive. Uh, the idea of a Bilesma coming up from the Firebirds, I don't know that that's the best idea, I don't know that he would be the answer really because i mean he's just turned himself into the ultimate development coach uh so I, again being down there watching him speaking with him he's he's really enjoying and he's very much in that place of being somebody who can get guys ready for the nhl who can take a ty cartier as an undrafted guy and put him in a spot where he can be called up for the NHL playoffs and come in and make such an impression that he's guaranteed a roster spot for the following season. That's, that's a very much where uh, Disco Dan is at right now. And I, I just don't know that, that he works. I don't know who's available really elsewhere. Like it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough, but I'm also with you. Got to at some point start winning at home. You just do like that's that's kind of a thing in sports that everybody needs to have going for them is, is finding a way to win at home. Sean, do they need to send the young guys back down or bring more up and get a taste of what the future of the Seattle Kraken is win or probably lose? I think you bring up an interesting point. You look at Shane, Wright. I talked about kind of what he's brought to this lineup uh, a little bit earlier. Ryan Winterton, I think, has surprised everybody as far as what he can do at the NHL level. Um, I mean, maybe he hasn't surprised himself with the Kraken, given that they called him up, but just how comfortable he looks, right? How physical he can play and not look out of place, the effort and energy that he can bring to a fourth line. Ty Cartier did that last year, like I just talked about, right? He was he was that guy for that team in the playoffs. He's been that guy at times during this regular season. I don't know. I, you're stuck, right? If you're the Kraken and you're stuck, you made the playoffs last year. It's it's a it's a playoff roster on paper. You've got too many guys making too much money to just be like, you know, you guys are out. We're just going to bring up the young guys, let them develop this year in the NHL and we'll get it next year. The roster's just not built for that at all. You can do that with a Shane Wright and you can do that with a Ryan Winterton while there's injuries. But at some point, you know, it seems like Jordan Eberle's getting close to getting back. He shed the no contact jersey today. He's going to have to be reinserted into the lineup. Tanev's healthy now. At some point, Belmar will be healthy again. You, there's just not the space. So unless you really punt this season, which I don't think, I, I mean, maybe some of the fans are kind of at that point. I don't know that I'm at that point. I don't, I certainly don't think the Kraken are at that point, given the importance that we've talked about that they're putting on, you know, trying to win back over season ticket holders and all that kind of stuff right now. Um, I just don't know that it would happen. I also don't know that it would be in the best interest long-term, Sean, either for the kids. I think given who you have on the AHL roster right now, it's not outside of Shane and Winterton. You don't exactly have like the, your top five prospects all there right now. So I don't know that calling them up to the big squad would be the best thing for them. I think you're probably better off letting the, you know, Morrison's and Hughes and all those guys of the world 
um, just dominate at the AHL level the way the Firebirds are doing right now, right? Go on another long playoff run if possible. I think that's probably in their best interest just to get them as ready as possible to go and be kind of the more role player type players that they're going to have to be at the NHL level. So that's that's kind of where I'm at there. Um, I, I mean, I don't even know where to jump back into into everything um like this is it, it's it's just tough i know everybody is is feeling this way I, rj's just join, joining us now let's go ahead and get him in here i mean rj coming in at a good time was just finishing up with some super chats everybody for the first time ever rj what i'm seeing is a lot of not to be pessimistic or i'm gonna be pessimistic or i just have nothing good to say and it's rough rj it really is so did the kraken say anything is there anything for us to kind of gleam on to uh sorry to disappoint here but yeah not a whole lot of detailed takeaways from the guys tonight i mean i'm joining you after about 20 minutes i did check and i see over 100 people in here by the way which is awesome thank you everyone for joining us i'll start off by saying that uh, but as far as takeaways, I guess there is one one fun moment from post game that I, I will share with you here. But we'll start with Brandon Tanev. Uh, just talked about how he felt like they hung the goalie out to dry. They just, you know, they Joey Decord made a bunch of great saves. They didn't do enough for him, and uh, just the effort was unacceptable. You know, not too much from Tanev there. Uh, the fun part though, Joey Decord um, got a couple questions on the game, and of course, just like yeah, you know, it didn't go well. I did manage to get a smile out of him though. I asked him how it felt to hear the Joey chants in the building mm-hmm. after he heard them so much in Coachella Valley last year to hear him now in the NHL. And, uh, you know, he smiled. He said, <laughs> you know, that, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, he did take a second to, to really enjoy that, I think. Um, and so, you know, it's always great to hear the support from the fans. And I just wish we could have given them a better result. You could tell that, you know, he kind of felt it bad they didn't get the win for him after, you know, after the great support from the fans here. But the Joey chant was awesome. I mean, it's, it's what we remember from the Firebirds games, and just good to see that. Uh, as for Dave Haxtell, um, not a whole lot of, of really dissecting this game from Haxtell, not a whole lot of pointing things inward. Uh, I mean, his, his biggest, I think, reasoning you know, on this game, he said you know, the Avs had a lot of really good players. They played a lot of minutes in this one, and they played really well, and that just made it difficult on us. That's kind of the answer that, that stuck with me. Um, but you know, no talk about the, the one shot on goal and it was barely even a shot on goal in the third and the shooting mentality, nothing on that. He did say he thought Joey Decord played great, you know, played a really good game, but, uh, you know, he wasn't in a mood, I think, to really dissect this one and get into it. And of course he was asked, well, the losses started to pile up. How do you turn this thing around? And he just said, just get back to work. Got to get back to work and, and, and put the work into, to get better. So I, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't give you more tonight but that's yeah. that's kind of how it was you didn't seem really in the mood to dissect this one yeah i can imagine that it's it's tough and especially because you know you're gonna have you got tomorrow off but then you or you know maybe you got practice but there then is a practice gonna... scheduled tentatively so we'll see if they decide to do that Although yeah it didn't was... work last time it didn't work and then you're gonna have back-to-back games after this too and and just the way this team is playing the energy level the uh, again the how do you have one shot on goal in a third period, you're entering down 2-1. You trailed like, the whole time. Yeah, and and do you, I, mean, I don't know if you saw the one shot on goal, what it was. It was just a, from their own zone, mm-hmm. like from your own face-off dot, just dumping it in that it happened to be on net. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- this was as good as zero shots on goal in the third period, and I, it just it's unacceptable. 
It is. Uh, so, I mean, we've had a couple things that we've talked about. I guess we'll start um, with, I think you said it was Tanev, uh, you know, kind of hanging Joey out to dry in this one. A lot of talk about the defense in this one. We've had somebody bring up the idea of even benching, say, a Will Borgen. I do think that after this game, RJ, something needs to happen with the defensive core, whether it's shaking up the deep pairs and moving guys around, whether it is benching somebody and bringing in Magna. I don't know your thoughts on that situation, but tonight they were they were bad. They were, and I do agree with that. Something has to be done. If it's the same six guys, switch the pairs, or you could bring a Megna in or somebody. Um, I think it just has to be done at this point. And yeah, Will Borgen, you know, uh, was there right, you know, by those two net front goals, those first couple, and he was trying to make contact. I'll give him that. He was trying to make an effort there, but it just wasn't enough to prevent the goals. And so, you know, yeah, you, you have to shake something up. Um, the other thing is that I'll use Lindsay's comment here, but we were talking about it just before you joined time to send Shane and Winterton back to Coachella so they can get their swagger back and we can avoid burning a year off the ELC. It's been brought up also so far tonight, RJ, the idea of, you know, Hey, do you, I mean, almost punt on this year and you bring up a bunch of young guys and you try to have them spark the lineup and get NHL experience and all of that, or, you know, I, I'm kind of saying I don't know that the roster is in a position where you could do something like that realistically. But, I mean, that's that's kind of where people are at. Right. I don't think you have the young guys to bring up. Really, according to the plan, yes, you have Shane and you have Winterton. Winterton's a bit ahead of schedule. But according to the plan, this is the year where a lot of those guys you drafted in the first couple of years get their first pro season in, in Coachella Valley. And next year is the year where they kind of push for those roster spots. Riker Evans is really the only other one that I can think of that you'd call up. I just don't think that works given where the Kraken are at roster-wise. I do agree with you there. Um, as far as sending them down, I think you really have to consider it now. Cert I give you, think maybe give it one more game against Edmonton. We'll see where Jordan Eberle's at, if he's ready to come back or not. It seems like he's getting close. He shed the non-contact jersey today. He was out there getting extra skating work in. It seems like he's close. But Dave Haxtell, I thought he actually gave a really interesting answer on that this morning. Because he was asked, a great question by Allison Lucan, of course, we shouldn't be surprised, but about kind of having Shane and Ryan there through a game that was really good against Colorado on the road, and then also this tough game against Edmonton, and then kind of learning the lessons from that. And, and Hackstall said that it was really important for those two, not just to experience a game where things went really well and you, you had a great effort, but also a game where no one kind of played well. And he did single those two out of saying, I thought they had a pretty good game, like, you mm -hmm. know, all things considered. But it was important for them to go through a game and be there on a night where the team was not playing well and on a day afterward where you have to kind of have that honest reflection, look in the mirror and put in a hard day's work because you didn't play well. He felt like that was really good experience for the two of them. Now, of course, whether that adds up or not, you know, you have two, three losses all of a sudden and things start turning sour. I do think you hit a breaking point there. But yeah, I think it's notable to, to mention that Hackstall thought that at least from the Edmonton game, he thought that was valuable experience for the two of them. Yeah, that is good uh, to bring up. Yeah, we'll see if Eberle can come back to play his two former teams, RJ, back-to-back, -back, Edmonton oh, and the God. Islanders. That's a, <laughs> if, if ever there was a time for Jordan Eberle to be in the lineup, um, I you know... <laughs> stretching uh, trying to find good stuff here um this is also the other thing that i wanted to ask you about before getting back to comments but i'll use a couple comments here first from habak what coach could fix this can't think of any coaching style that can quickly turn this around and from burnt krem uh Hextall has lost this team already his clock is now ticking 
this is end of season ticket holders, three third year contracts. Uh, Francis is going to hear from management shortly. It is business. I mean, Hackstall, RJ, I know we've talked about it a little bit last time. It felt maybe probably premature, especially given, you know, we know his extension. We know all of that stuff. It's it's this is a real problem and it feels like it's a motivational problem. It's not getting the guys to be able to play, not being able to get them to have 60 minute performances. That's real danger territory for any coach in any sport. It is. And that's this is the first time that I'm really feeling kind of concerned about that uh, with the Kraken in the past. You can, yes, point to Hackstall, but you could also point to, well, this might be a lack of skill issue. You know, talking about year one. You could point to, well, they'll turn it around. They never lose three in a row, right? Or they, you know, three in a row max, right? Mm -hmm. And you know they're going to turn around after the fourth game. This one feels different. I think the reason it feels different is because after that Edmonton game, you had Hackstall really try and send a message to his team in practice. I was there for that practice. Uh, and the way he was working guys really hard, you know, he was giving them an earful about the lack of shooting mm -hmm. mentality. And I think it was something that maybe we were kind of meant to hear in the media, too. It was very clear, you know, um, and that that message gets delivered, that message gets received. And then the very next day you have something like this happen. I can't recall a time in this team's history where that has happened so far. So we're in kind of uncharted territory right here. And that's what gives me pause. Yeah, uh, just got a big super chat here from Elizabeth. So thank you very, very much, Elizabeth. Yikes, I can handle a loss, but the complete lack of effort after the first period is hard. To, was hard to watch. We looked slow and disorganized. Yanni kept trying to light a fire, and it couldn't catch. How do they fix a lack of effort? I started this off, RJ, talking about how this doesn't feel like the Kraken. Right. You look at the first two seasons, what really helped endear people to this team, especially that first season when things were really rough. Right. They were losing games like like tonight. But the difference was they never gave up. Right. The effort was always there. They made sure they were always there finishing games. And this season, RJ, what we're seeing on nights like tonight, like nights like a couple nights ago against the Oilers, this team doesn't finish games. Right. The the 60 minute effort level isn't there. And that's, as you said, it's uncharted waters. I used that same thing oh, earlier really? to talk about it because it's just it's not something that we're used to. I get that Hackstall was on them and he, you know, he was, you know, yelling and whatever and, and really trying to emphasize working through it. But it's clear now, certainly that didn't work. Um, I'm trying to think of other ways in which you can do this. I'm, you know, I'm the kind of person that, that at least when I've been in leadership positions, I find it's better rather than just getting on everybody and adding more pressure and stress into an already stressful situation. Just talk to them, Frank, and just be like, look, this isn't going to work. We all know this can't work. If we continue like this, we're not going to the playoffs and there, you know, my job's on the line. A bunch of your guys' jobs are on the line, right? This core could not exist anymore. And really try to make it, you know, like that and try to talk it out and try to get to the root of what this problem is, why these guys can't seem to be motivated from period to period. And then also if I'm coach, I, I take a look at however I've been handling intermissions and I see how can I change that, right? If I've been talking to them, maybe you'll leave them alone and try to have a leader within that locker room come up. If you haven't really been talking to the team, which I know a lot of NHL clubs don't do, the coach doesn't always talk to the team during intermission, uh, maybe you get in there and you start really trying to work on stuff. Uh, even if it's just something simple and manageable, 
that you can just kind of get a win with, right? Coming out for the second period. Hey, I've noticed they've been doing this. Let's just focus on doing that, uh, on stopping it, right? Or playing this situation slightly differently and just give your guys a little bit of a building block so that they can have like an early win in a period and try to get some momentum that way. That's really all I can think of though, RJ, because it's, it's just, it's a tough situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really well said. I think you covered just about all the angles of it. I mean, the only other thing I can think of is, you know, maybe it's time for like a players only meeting type of thing. I don't know. That's the other thing I've seen in these situations that maybe can help turn things around. But uh, yeah, I think you have to just really reevaluate what you're doing. And it just, yeah, it worries me that Hackstall kind of, it felt like yesterday. He, he removed the glass from the, you know, in case of emergency button and he pressed it, you know, <laughs> with, with getting yeah. on the guys like that. And to see that it didn't seem to be attached to anything, you know, that's the problem. Yes. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it tomorrow on the deep dive. You know, I have thoughts on Bilesma. I have thoughts on from being around Hackstall um, in, in Arizona uh, that kind of relate to all this too. So we'll, we'll get into it more there, but yeah, as, as far as what you could do to change it, obviously they need a different approach because what happened yesterday didn't didn't uh do anything really light with another super chat thank you very much light one more thing we got uh belly for face-offs and shane is eight for 11 on the dot in these last three games just food for thought i brought this up earlier rj when it comes to shane wright he was brought in to fill in for for belmar right he was brought in to just you know play solid two-way game win some face-offs there you go He's arguably been playing better than Belmar in the sense that, yeah, he's not winning as many draws, although he was 60% tonight. Uh, but the defensive plays and the defensive effort that Shane Wright has, he was out back-checking his defenseman tonight, RJ. Like, incredible what he's able to do. Do you think that that effort has has been noticed? Do you think that there might be a chance that maybe Shane just stays uh, up uh, here? As far as the effort being noticed, yeah, I think so. Certainly after talking to Hackstall this morning and, and him praising Wright and Winterton, I think he's absolutely noticed the effort and, and noticed the skill there too. I think Wright at this point is just kind of an overall upgrade from Pierre-Edouard Belmar. And I mean, that shouldn't be too surprising. This is a 38-year-old veteran who's kind of at the tail end of his career versus a top five draft pick. Uh, that's something that shouldn't be too surprising to us at this point. But um, I think we might you know, see him. It just depends on whether it's all his long-term development, right? I mean, that's the trade-off that you have. Also, I do want to give Belmar some credit to even for Shane Wright's good face-off percentage, because those two were working with each other so much during training camp. I saw all the little lessons, the two of them after practice, like every day, taking those face-offs and practicing and getting those reps together. I'm sure some of that rubbed off on him. Oh, I'm sure it has too. It's it's always been something Shane has taken very seriously. Remember interviews from his draft year where it's like, what are you working on? And he's like, face-offs. Like he's all excited about stuff like that. Like that's just who he is. So I am glad to hear that. And I do think that that, yeah, helped him out some. Duthin with the super chat here. Thank you very much. Not what I wanted to see, but I'm glad y'all are here to share the suffering. Do any Kraken want out slash to be traded to a different team? I mean, I don't believe anybody said anything, RJ. No, didn't get anything on that tonight. And yeah, to my knowledge, no, uh, nobody wants out. I think this is, it's a great place to play and live. And, you know, a, a down stretch here isn't going to necessarily change that. But, you know, of course, if this continues over to the trade deadline, then you're on Ron Francis event having to look and make some tough decisions. Yeah, I think given this group, my guess is they're all, they all seem like a kind of group that would want to figure it out and, and try to break through together. 
I still think at some point somebody's going to have to just step up and be the person to figure out a way to motivate them all. Uh, as much as we've talked about that with Hackstall, this is a team with a lot of leaders on it. They have, what, four or five guys that can have an A on their chest at any given game. You need to – somebody's got to figure out how to get this team going somewhere in there. I mean, maybe it's Ron Francis. Do you think Ron Francis comes in and starts talking to him, RJ? I mean, that would be the next level of, you know, <laughs> break glass in case of emergency. I mean, that's usually, I think, what, one step after players only meeting? I don't know the usual order of things, but that's the other option. I guess you could have the GM go and talk to guys. That is how you know it's serious. Yeah, and I mean, he would be GM, but also it's just, you know, one of the greatest players ever who's yeah. won both, you know, Stanley Cups. And you could just be like, look, this is what it takes. You guys got to figure this out. Um, this one from Sean, I, I know probably already what you're going to say, but uh, I figure I'll read it. Uh, RJ, have you seen or heard any indicators of issues in the room with this group? No, I haven't. And, and I mean that, like if, you know, if I had heard, you know, something or, you know, seen like some discord or whatever, I would try and kind of gently allude to it. And of course, you know, maybe not give details I couldn't give, but no, I really haven't. I mean, you know, it's obviously the guys look down after losses, you know, they're, they, they look tired of losing, but you know, that's, that's a healthy reaction to losing hockey games, but no, there doesn't seem to be anything beyond that. And again, I, you know, I, I've, I've seen this team, you know, been around the team for, you know, since year one. And I, I still, I haven't seen anything that where it's boiled over like that. Yeah. Uh, Zoe would naming a captain help at all. And then there was another one. Habak, it feels like the players are waiting for another player to light a fire and turn the vibes. We either need to name a captain or get a big name moved on. I, I mean, Again, we, we, I, we just talked about it. Somebody needs to step up. And I got to think if, if right now in this situation, somebody stepped up and turned things around, they would be named captain, right? Like, Yeah, maybe. Although, again, I thought about this a little bit more because we talked about that. We had the captain conversation last post game. Do they need to name a captain? Yeah. And just I think this group in the locker room has a certain leadership dynamic and it's kind of leadership by committee. Right. And I think we're agreed that somebody needs to step up and be like, all right, guys, let's go, you know, got to mm -hmm. turn this thing around. Let's give some effort here. I don't think that slapping a C on someone's chest is going to turn them into that guy. I, right. I can't think of anyone in the locker room who doing that and naming them captain is going to magically turn them into that guy. I just, I just don't see it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think it would, it would happen that way either. Uh, I mean, if, if there was somebody in there who really like, you know, not to say like nobody deserves it in that room, but if there was somebody who really like deserved it, deserved it, they would have, you know, been doing that by now. Right. Yeah. Like I, I'm with you. It doesn't just magically give you that ability to get everybody going. Um, Burnt Krem, the amount of money I pay for season tickets to watch losing hockey at home is not acceptable. This has been another thing that's been brought up multiple times in this chat, RJ. The home record, right? Year one, the record everywhere was bad. Last year, the home record was bad. This year, I, I guess the, the home record is worse, though the overall record's not great either. That's a, that is a problem that the Kraken are going to need to figure out, especially as they are worried, you know, kind of about those season ticket, the three year season ticket plans ending this year. If you can't win at home, it will be hard in the long run to kind of keep people coming in. It will. And I mean, this is something that I think is hovering over everybody's heads right now, whether anyone wants to acknowledge it or not, is these three year season ticket plans expiring and some disgruntled fans. And I, I think reasonably so, given you've got two wins at home over your first 16 games and 
you've seen a couple efforts like the one against Edmonton and then the one tonight against Colorado. Uh, and, and I think Haxtell knows it too, because yesterday at practice that one of the things he mentioned, you know, by himself, I think unprompted kind of brought it up in his answers to separate questions twice was the consistency at home, the consistency at home. We need the consistency at home. And so I thought that was interesting pointing out at home that they need that. And so I even asked him too, you know, what is it about, being at home specifically that might kind of cause those problems at consistency. And I mean, his, he kind of skirted around with the answer. Didn't really give me, but look, I think we've been asking ourselves this question. We've asked the yeah. players this question dating back to last year too, because they were so mm -hmm. good on the road and nobody really has a good answer. Like everyone's kind of baffled by this, just as baffled as you and I are, or as anybody watching this is, I don't know why, but I think everyone just realized this fact is it needs to change. Uh, I think I still think the effort level, the the sixty minute problem, is a bigger problem to be addressed for this team right now. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think just to kind of go back to like the answer we talked about with Elizabeth's super chat, which again, thank you Elizabeth for that. Uh, yeah, thank you, super chat, and thank everybody for the super chats uh, tonight. It's been really really awesome, especially after a game like this. Just to have all of your support via those is is truly incredible. It speaks volumes about this community. Um, but this is where I would, if if I'm management, if I'm if I'm the coach, if I'm if I'm anybody, I'm going to the players and I'm having a meeting with the whole team and I'm saying, what do we have to change to make to help us win at home? Right? Something is not working. Whether it's when guys show up, how morning skates are done. Like, do you need to go back to having morning skates at Climate Pledge? Right? Like. But something needs to happen, and I would I would really try to incorporate the team. I wouldn't just blanketly decide something. I would communicate, and I would brainstorm with everybody in the room, and I would really talk to them. What is it about being here that causes us to have this this issue? Is it something from you know the night before and and where everybody's staying? Should they be staying at hotel rooms the night before games, even if they're in Seattle? Like. What is it that needs to happen here? But that is another example of a time where I think this team is at the point where go ahead and bring in the players and really have talks about this, have open dialogues and and try to figure out a way to address these issues because they, they need to. It's the bottom line. Uh, they need to figure out something for, for any of these issues really is, is what we're what we're kind of coming around to. Um, and RJ, I just... So many of these issues were just not things, right? Going into this season that we thought we were going to have to talk about. And yet here we are. Um, it's going to be a real soul-searching deep dive tomorrow. It really is. Lots of conversations around Shane Wright all through here. Um, uh, I like this from Casey. Is it possible someone has switched out the regular coffee with decaf in the locker room? Could be an easy fix. Is it that simple, RJ? Huh. I, I wonder. Maybe it could be. I mean, man, that would be a nice easy fix. It's the bio steel. Give them Gatorade. That'll get them going. I mean, yeah, BioSteel what, went bankrupt already, so you can just go back to the Gatorade. What's the problem? I was just going to say, they went bankrupt, and yet somehow they're still like the only drink NHL players are allowed to have on a bench, which speaks volumes about the NHL more than anything. <laughs> um, Kalen, so much of this is the players' frame of mind and interpersonal relationships. How is it that there isn't a huge team of sports psychologists working with everyone? I think that's a good. That's that is something that we haven't talked about. Thanks for bringing that up, Kalen. The I, like I don't know if the Kraken have somebody like on staff, um, but yeah, I think at some point you would maybe want to bring somebody in 
whether it's specifically a psychologist or somebody, but you know, outside help is net, isn't always a bad thing. Yeah. My memory isn't super clear on this. So uh, apologies if I didn't remember this exactly right, but I, I seem to recall from year one, Chris Drieger talking yep. about working with a sports psychologist. Yeah, that's right. Cause we both talked about this and you, you talked about the importance of, you know, of mental health and maybe kind of use it as a, as a springboard to talk about this stuff. But I believe that was independent. I believe that was not somebody affiliated with the team, yeah. if I recall correctly. Yep. I'm not aware of anybody on the team, you know, in that department, but doesn't mean that it wouldn't be there. I just, we haven't asked about it. Yeah. Um, here's something that we haven't talked about. Um, oh my gosh. And we're back around the Daniel Sprong, RJ. That's where the, the chat's Oh at. boy. I know. Well, it's, it's a fair question to be asked now, right? Like it, yeah. it's, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> it's I mean, is it the predictable question? Should we have kept Daniel Sprong? Is that well, it? It's, it's like, like Coop kicked this off, right? So this team has signed a, a whole bunch of defensively responsible, limited offensive upside guys. And I don't think that it's super working. What if we just tried signing an all offense guy and beep boop brought up, we had an offense guy, remember Sprog and Stratic saying, yeah, sign a guy like Daniel Sprog. It does feel like the whole, Hey, let's just be responsible. Have, you know, your four centers or five centers really be a combination of guys like Maddie Beneers, Shane Wright, Belmar, Yanni Gordon, Alexander Wenberg. It, we talked about this, this team that is built for playoff success perfectly but the offense rj i mean when you're when you're seeing the low shot totals three shots four shots for a period one lame shot tonight it's it is a problem like at some point like i, I don't know who to really go to on this team other than like bjorkstrand or, or something to just be like look just go just don't worry about things defensively just only focus on trying to get as many shots as you possibly can. I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it's so like, I guess so. Yeah. Although he always focuses on defense too, right? Like he's, yeah. he's covered in the center. Are they all defensively stuff. responsible? Is that yes. the problem? We got too many responsible people. We need an irresponsible person back on this team to just right, go here. out there and try to make off. I got to go show Jared McCann some of my beer league tape and be like, this is the blueprint right here. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you need uh, what, however many goals and the one assist or whatever that you're rocking right now. That's that's what you need Don't to show for. <laughs> just oh man, it is just something um that that they do need to figure out. Uh, let's see. Uh, by Ren, I was hoping, I was sort of hoping we'd see Belmar as basically a pure face-off tutor this year. Uh, in the lovely optimistic summertime. I mean, it does sound like that that has happened. Look, the Kraken are winning face-offs a lot more. I mean, that's been part of their problem is that they're they're winning face-offs too much, I think. Um, but uh, it it has worked. Like he has done that that part of the job for sure. Um. Let's see, Striatic. I've heard some people asking if the Kraken locker room is too much of a country club. Oof. Hmm. I mean, as in they're golfing too much? I, I think, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they do golf, but uh, do you know, golf. Uh, even the best teams golf quite a bit. I know. Um, I, I mean, there's just all sorts of stuff. Uh, Ricky, Francis needs to move someone, a veteran off the roster. I, I mean, I think we are to that point. That'll probably be a good deep dive for tomorrow. RJ is just, you know, would, would you do something like that? Are we kind of at that point? Because I do think as much as we've talked about Hackstall, we've talked about things like that. 
the the real solution mid year for this club, if you were to take action as management, as the front office, would be a trade at this point, right? It's it's not going to be a coach firing. There's limited options you could go and get it mid season. It would be to move somebody and try to have that wake up the core, right? Yeah, I mean, there's three options usually when you're in a situation like this: a trade, a coach firing, or a call up. They just did a call up. And, and, you know, the results have been pretty good, but not good enough. You know, these, these guys aren't going to save the team. Uh, the coach firing, I think, is not in the cards right now. You just extended the guy in the offseason. It's going to get way worse for that. That just leaves a trade. And, you know, maybe the way that this this team is kind of lined up right now, maybe that's something that makes sense. Not a major deal, I don't think, but just something minor to, I don't know, kind of <laughs> warn everyone, let them know what's up, and maybe the new guy comes in and gives you a spark if you bring somebody in. Yeah, uh, fusion mix. You know, I think there's a vibes guy who Toronto might want to be unloading. We've talked about him before. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, RJ. It would be the worst thing in the world. It, it would. Do not do that. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Harvey, even with the lower taxes and beautiful scenery, we aren't going to be a free, a big free agent destination this offseason. Big bummer. I don't know. I think they could be. Right. Like guys have talked about that. All the free agents that they have signed or deals and in, in trades that they've made. We do know from those players, they had a positive idea of the Kraken before they were moved. Right. So it does it does feel like the Kraken have, you know, a positive reputation around the league. Now, if they really struggle this year. Right. That's still first and foremost for all free agents. You, you know, do you want to go to a playoff team or a team that wasn't in the playoffs? Most of the time you want to try to go to the best team you can. Um, but I, I don't know that we're quite there yet. No, we're not. I mean, Seattle is an attractive destination, top-notch facilities, great place to live, unless they're an absolute basement team where it's clear, okay, they're not ready to contend right now. Um, yeah. They're going to be a big free agent destination. I, I think they absolutely have that potential in pretty much any year. Yeah, Stratic. Maybe the problem is that there are no issues in the locker room. Sometimes having issues can be dysfunctional, but conflict can also be constructive. It's I mean, we rough have for, we have when we're needed. Some of the just, best teams that have conflict on them. It's very, very true. It's kind of crazy that we're in mid-November and we're talking about the locker room needs to be more dysfunctional so that they can rally and, and join together around something. Yeah. No, I mean, like the biggest arguments I've really seen have just been over Mario Kart or, uh, you know, the merits of Subway or various things like that. You know, it's uh, yeah, the guys don't argue with each other, although I don't want to recommend that as a solution. Like, no, sounds crazy. It it does, though. I mean, you know what? Like Hackstall should have been Schwartz for this game. Right. Goes on an epic tear and then you bench a guy. Right. Even if they're all going to hate you, you just need them all on some some page and be motivated. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. Right now, where are we going to be for the podcast tomorrow? (laughs) I I mean, just. uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Fusion Mix Hex isn't getting fired this year. That being said, everyone is saying Woodcroft Bilesma as though Daryl Sutter, who turned around another abominable Pacific team, isn't available. No. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, man. No, no, no. Uh, Elizabeth, yeah, I'm dropping my tickets more because they're crazy overpriced. Vegas ticks in the same area are 10,000 less, and also because I can't resell them for what I pay. And that's again, right? That's a direct result of the team not always winning at home. If you, if you, if they, if you get a reputation for not winning at home, it's kind of hard to spend top dollar to go watch the team at home. 
Yeah, and for a lot of season ticket holders, it's just simple economics. Like they they see mm-hmm. tickets on the resale market where you could pretty much go to every game with yeah. similar seats for cheaper. I mean, that's unfortunately the point of where we're at. Yeah, I definitely don't think you're alone in that. Um, I heard lower bowl. I this I heard today there were lower bowl seats available kind of toward game time for about fifty something dollars. That's some of the cheapest I've seen. That's you're approaching. And there were a fair amount of empty seats tonight. I will say you're approaching Ducks territory with that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the Ducks would sell that over the off season at that price, not like day <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah. But like, wow. That is that is rough. I could definitely see why the team is uh, worried about this. Just yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe the road teams are too comfortable. Microwave fish in the visitor locker room from Striatic. That could you could do that. All sorts of strategies in that in that realm. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. There's lots of things. I mean, it, maybe maybe they just need like a flower RJ to come in and just have all the guys pranking each other all the time, right? Loosen that's true. I don't up. usually see pranks, so maybe that's something they could do more of. I mean, there's not a lot of prankers left in the NHL, actually, unfortunately. It's a dying art. It really is. It is. Like the hip check. Yep. Why Why doesn't that exist, though? There's so many opportunities for it. it you're taking the that's other guy out of the play yeah. way longer than you are. Like It makes no sense. Ah, Dylan, while nuts. you're up here, teach Adam Larson how to deliver hip checks. I am. I'm just going to walk up to him in the locker room, whatever that is, post-game even. And I'm just going <laughs> to hand him my phone, and it's just going to be Rob Blake hip check highlight compilation videos on YouTube. And I, and I won't even say anything. I'm just going to walk away and then awkwardly come back for my phone later. Um, Speaking of Lars real quick, should we tell him to stop saving the goals for when you're here? He had another really good chance tonight. And I'm just like, oh, I know you're saving it for Dylan, but come on. I would. I'm okay. Like I am. Adam, if you're listening, I am okay if you score without me in the building. I really am. (laughs) You could just you could score for yourself. Okay, bud. Like that's probably healthy. Um, (laughs) Elizabeth, remember when we scored nine goals? Barely. I know for you, that's probably like a fever dream being in the building. I don't know. Remember if, if that's the right word, but yes, vaguely. I was barely remembered it that night. Um, uh, yeah, but you know what? At, at RJ, it feels like every day we get further and further away from that moment. Um, it's a yogiism. Uh, there have been some real issues with defense from our supposedly good defensive centers this year. Not that they're, they're bad, but I mean, yeah, it. I don't know. I still think the defense from the defenseman has arguably been more of the problem. Um, Sergio pointing out, look, Burakovsky was supposed to be one of our leaders, but he's dealing with injuries, unfortunately. It's true, right? That was one of the conversations around bringing him in. Stanley Cups, two different teams, right? Like that's There is leadership and there's as, uh, uh, aspects of that that can come in and, and help out a group, especially you got to think when a team is kind of stuck uh, the way that a team like the Kraken are stuck right now. Yeah, that's a huge loss. And we talked about it with the strong conversation. Just bring in someone who's kind of a pure offense type of guy. I mean, Burakovsky was kind of supposed to be that guy. And you can't plan for another long-term injury like this. But unfortunately, that's what's happened. Yeah, it, uh, Kraken are just the latest example, RJ, of uh, cups in the room doesn't necessarily translate to much of anything, right? Whether it was Ber- Berkey, Dumoulin, uh, Belmar, Schultz. I mean, like, it's... It is one of those things like, yes, it is helpful to have that that leadership around, but it's not like a cure all the way. Sometimes it's made out to be, uh, we'll say. 
Um, Nicole, I don't think a, a trade would help. Lineup is already being changed every game. How is sticking a new guy in going to help? There's, I think there is elements of that too, RJ. I mean, at some point, do you think Hackstall just kind of settles on a lineup and then just tries it for like two weeks, just leaves it alone for like two weeks and hopes that that gets something going? Maybe. I mean, we, we've seen him in the past when he's tried one thing for long enough, you maybe try something else. And yeah, he's tried the line blender and and I get it with wanting to make some of these changes, like with Tanev coming back in the lineup. You want him in the lineup. You're not just going to sit him there once he's healthy and everything. And soon you're going to have Everly coming back and you're not just going to sit on him, you know, if he's healthy. So um, he's going to be forced to make some more changes coming up. But maybe at some point you start to see that consistency there. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I do like some of the suggestions being thrown around in here. Vavren, um, tr trade Maddie, all change is good. And then a little further down, that's not a real suggestion. Um, but also like Habak, put me in the locker room. I'll cause problems. They can rally around hating me. Um, I mean, there's this a lot of a, Nicole's with me. Guys need to start playing pranks on each other. I, yeah, I, I just think something, right? Like, I, I do think that at certainly at this point, any team in the situation that the Kraken find themselves in right now, is going to be stressed out. They're dealing with stuff, right? They're feeling the pressure. And certainly if the conversations around the building have been very much focused on the business side of things, I don't know how much of that really trickles down into the locker room and, and, and to the players, but I got to imagine that they've heard it once or twice. Um, just being around everybody and that's certainly as a as an athlete like not something you want creeping in at all like, no and, and I, to the players I don't think it's really creeped in that much I think certainly to Hackstall I think he hears that kind of stuff but I think he's pretty good at keeping that away from the players right but even that like I don't know that I would want my coach focused on worrying about that right like yeah, play at home or you know when the season ticket holders are there yeah no I get it yeah <laughs> yeah it's one of those like what oh you, you think he's the coach who didn't know that <laughs> I yeah, I mean, he strikes me as someone who's pretty good at compartmentalizing those things. But still. I agree. I agree. Um, let's let's see here. We should all just coach the team. Yeah. What if everybody just takes a different night, RJ? That could be fun. Uh, yeah, rotated coaching duties at the ECH community. That's fun. Yeah. All right, RJ. Coop's got it. I think I figured it out. Sign Phil Kessel. He's out there. The legend is out there. Talk, talk about a player, right? He's only going to focus on offense. Yep. Yeah. And although we'd have to have hot dogs in the press bridge every single game. I don't know if I'm ready to deal with that. No. Take one for the team. Eat right the rest of the time and your cholesterol will be okay, RJ. Okay. Um, remember, healthy ratio is more important than like the overall number. Uh, that's that's what you need to focus on there. Uh <laughs> uh hack should rent the team a bouncy castle all right striatic i'm on board with that because bounce houses are incredible they never get old um yeah no it, absolutely the way to go i wrote an entire paper in college about the magic of the bounce house and uh it did very very well got published actually <laughs> really yeah all right I, i'm just saying it's uh it did uh about it i, I yeah I, i'm not gonna get into all of that right now but bounce houses are really great they're they're good as an adult too i'm with i i think that's possible and you know what in that locker room they could probably fit one. Oh yeah in that, in that room yeah you could yeah i don't know height wise that might be tricky tell tell alexi i got to bounce too high yeah that's that's <laughs> the one you have to worry about 
<laughs> Brooks saying team should do an escape room. See, this is it. We should have just done this the entire hour. Everybody is just figure out ways of getting the team to loosen up a little. <laughs> I love this. It's helping us loosen up a little. Just, just thinking of the ideas. It's very true. It's very true. Um, Daniel pointing out the team didn't go on a team bonding trip this year like they did last year. Why didn't we do this? I, I thought they did do it. Team. Did, they? did they do a team bonding thing early this year? I'm uh, mm -hmm. looking at the guy behind the camera here to see if he remembers. Yeah, early in the year. Yeah, we, we seem okay. to remember they did do a team bonding trip. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever they did, don't do it again next year. Uh, <laughs> Zoe, cool. yes. Zoe saying we did curling as a work activity. I think the boys would have fun with that. I've always wanted to do that. You know that, RJ? Oh, yeah. We got to do that. Bach haunted house time. Well, last month was probably the month for a haunted house, a uh, little more so than this. I got a suggestion, RJ, because I think you said they did golf, right? Is that what I yeah. heard there? Yeah, okay. Well, they golf all the time normally. That's not like a good one. You need to get out of your comfort zone when you do the bonding trip. You need some level of stress to make everybody start working together. That's where the escape room comes in. Um, Sean's saying, pointing out, chat's still at uh, 114. No one wants the session to end. Awesome. Extremely, uh, extremely consistent tonight. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Elizabeth yeah. suggesting an ECH curling outing. I would definitely be down for that. Do you know, do they do that at KCI? They do have curling at KCI, yes. And I know right. around Halloween they did pumpkin curling too. Ooh, that would have been fun. Maybe messy. Yeah. I like guess too late for too late for that now, but yeah, I think they do have curling there. I don't know. I got some mushy pumpkins it sitting is downstairs. It's so much harder than it looks. Curling like, or it, pumpkin curling? I mean, I assume I guess both, both. but <laughs> curling is the one I can speak to. because um, they had like on the day that they opened uh, KCI they had where you could try the different activities and everything and curling was one of them. So I just tried it. It's so difficult. Really? Yeah. Much mm. harder than it looks. I, is it heavier than it looks the stone? Yeah. I think, well, I mean, it looks pretty heavy. It does look I heavy. <laughs> yeah, I was, it was pretty heavy. heavy. Um, all right. Let's see here real quick. Uh, the, the, the people are pointing all sorts of stuff out. Jessica pottery. It's Zen and wholesome. That would be great. And then they could auction off whatever they make for charity. Like you could really do like a whole thing around something like that. Rayanne suggesting ax throwing. Uh, that would, that would be good too. Lonnie with the super chat. Thank you very much, Lonnie. That game was another negative. Can RJ and Dylan give me two positives? All right. Well, besides how awesome this chat has turned into, considering yeah, I mean, the game being negative, um, we could each give one, RJ. Um, what would be a positive tonight? And I'm going to say we can't just say Joey Decord. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going there. Um, let's see. I Because mean, Joey was good, I can go first also, if you need me to. But also, like, the, the fans love him like the, the joey chance like that was so wholesome and nice and you could tell that he loves that too that like that they mm -hmm. you know this is the first night we really got that i think that was yeah. really cool so i'll let you go now while i think of something else okay uh i'm gonna say shane wright just because i felt like this was the game that was like the ultimate shane wright game he won 60 percent of his draws he comes back he saves a goal completely like i think that that shot's going in if he doesn't get his stick on it um but you just saw the defensive attention to detail and and all of that stuff that he brings oh my gosh i just thought of a, probably a better one though should i go for it go go ahead go ahead all right uh brandon having brandon tanev back for the pk and just the movement that he brings sorry did i just steal that from you it's or are you like okay. me we should have thought of I'll that find, right away i'll right? find another i'll find another one yeah uh, 
watching him on the PK, I could just like, I could have sat here all night just breaking down like the two PKs that were really good and strong from him. But even if you watch like when with the waved off goal for Wenberg, right? How that whole situation develops is just because Brandon Tanev is pressuring the guy at the point and he pressures him into making a horrible pass right to Wenberg. And then the next thing you know, it's a two on one going back the other way or two on zero, And that's all because Brandon Tanev just moves around later on in the third period. I forget which penalty, but I remember there was a minute 36 left on the penalty. Um, yeah, I was trying to keep track of it so I could maybe make a video. But Brandon Tanev is moving around and he's jumping from passing lane to passing lane, right? He's completely isolated the puck carrier who was playing back. It wasn't Makar. It was someone else, but up playing at the point. And he completely isolated them off on an island just because of how he was moving from the passing lanes, given where the guy was working. And look, it takes a ton of effort to keep up that level of movement and energy and all of that stuff. So all the credit in the world to Brandon Tanev for doing that. But that's exactly what this power play was missing. I mean, the penalty kill. Yeah, I know. I, I'm going to add one more Tanev moment, though, because I don't think the broadcast captured it very well. Um, but there was a play where I think it was Vince Dunn. Somebody sent the puck down. It was an attempted stretch pass, but it was kind of way off the mark. And so it was going to go down for icing. And Tanev mm -hmm. is at the blue line and the pucks maybe, you know, 10, 12 feet away from him. It's like well out of his reach. But he just dives along the blue line to get a piece of that puck so that it's deflected and it's not icing before going to the bench. Like you could tell that Turbo was just so excited to be back on the ice. He was giving like 110% effort plays that nobody else would do under normal circumstances. Mm -hmm. So that's just great to see. I, I guess the other positive I'll give is, I mean, the Kraken had a really good start tonight. And that was kind of the first thing that I, it might be frustrating to hear this for some of you that Dave Haxtell pointed out uh, that this game was different than the Edmonton game and that the Kraken started really strong. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was something they clearly wanted to address after the Edmonton game, going down 4 nothing in the first period. And I, I thought they came out with the right kind of energy, the right kind of hustle tonight throughout the entire first period. I know yeah. we've seen that from them a lot before it, you know, it falls apart again. But, you know, it's something maybe we shouldn't take for granted given the, the, the poor starts that they've had in the past, you know, couple of years. Definitely. Uh, Randall, why don't they go to Flatstick Pub? You're beating me to it, Randall. I'm holding <laughs> on to that one for a reason. Um, <laughs> Fusion, Fusion make editorial practice, but when they get to the locker room, the equipment manager comes in with a giant crate of puppies. I mean, oh. we saw what Davy Jones was able to do for that group, or you know, season one RJ. Maybe you need team dog. Yeah, definitely. I, I, That's the not... trade acquisition right there. Mm -hmm. uh, Striatic suggesting uh, go camping and do trust falls. Trust fall our way out of this. Uh, it is an option, although a little scary with professional athletes, should something happen. Uh, B, though, camping, yes, no one can leave the woods until they're all feeling happy and confident. Yep, you just got to treat them like a bunch of teenagers, RJ. Just like grumpy, moody teenagers, and you take them all out on a family trip, and you're not leaving until they've all, you know, figured it out. Yeah. Uh, that would be good. <laughs> Can't go till none of you are angsty anymore. Uh, Nicole, I think a rage room would be good, actually. Certainly would be good for Vince Dunn, RJ. I know. God, he needs it. That's, uh, but see, he's got the fire. It's just uh -huh. it needs to be channeled instead of taking penalties into, like, somehow spreading to the rest of the guys. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a guy who, you know, is not just kind of sitting idly by while this team is losing. He's got the fire in him. Just yeah. got to channel that to, to productive means. Yeah, Jessica asking, what's a rage room? It's a room where you go in and you get to just break stuff. 
let it all out. Just go off on things. Uh, they'll often have like baseball bats and old TVs you can smash in. Sometimes car if it's fancy. You just beat wow. up on a car. How yeah. have I not heard about this before today? I, mm. I need to invest in this concept. That sounds like it'd be a popular thing. Well, it has been for a couple of years now. Okay, uh, too late. Yeah. So they, they went up like kind of right after escape rooms. It's like the exact opposite of an escape room, right? You're paying to be trapped in a room just to break stuff instead of try to, you know, smart your way out. Um, be suggesting laser tag. I was thinking about laser tag the other day, RJ. Remember how fun that used to be back in the day? What happened to laser tag? I, that was so fun. I had my birthday party at a laser tag place a couple of times. So yeah, mm -hmm. it was great. I don't know what happened. Yeah, laser tag needs to come back in a big way, everybody. That's what we need to do as a society, really. Um, <laughs> Brooke, the laser dome is lit. Laying on the floor and watching laser dinosaurs dance to gorillas is so fun. That does sound really fun. Uh, hit me up and tell me where that is for when I travel up to Seattle in a couple days. <laughs> just, you know, just so many fun ideas for activities. Yeah. yeah, if I'm a little late to a game, everybody will know why. Uh, uh fusion makes the social media team could get such good content out of adam larson holding three cats at a cat cafe yeah yeah okay did you see the the adam larson like big cat highlight video that they played today and dylan i'm so sorry i missed it. I sound didn't. of hockey got it go go look at the sound of hockey i mean you don't have to do it right now because it's like a minute and a half long but it was just like videos of him and then they just like flash pictures of like wild cats and lions and stuff it's awesome Check okay, that, that, that does sound good. That does sound good. Uh, hockey mom suggesting I need to bring Afra to the locker room. It's possible. Look, she met she met all those prospects, and they are crushing it. Right? I mean, I think there is a direct correlation between like Winterton being ahead of schedule and him meeting Afra. You look at uh, Rykoff in the OHL RJ. Right? He met Afra. It's 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 right there. That met Afra is doing really well, except for Jagger Furcus. But I mean, just think of what he would. I was just going to say, he's the one who didn't meet Afro. Imagine if he did. Yeah, that's true. He scored th three goals a game in the dub. That's very true. Not far uh, off his numbers, actually, but. Yes. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for this one. And now we, I think we could finally talk about it. RJ, what the Kraken really need to do. And may, I don't know. Maybe this doesn't work, RJ. Maybe if they went to the South Lake Union location. The flat stick pub before a game, right? You leave morning skate, you shower, you go to flat stick. Do you think they would get that pregame 50% off games, RJ? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would like to think they would. Flat stick <laughs> is very much a friend of the Seattle Kraken. I, I bet I could talk him into giving him that deal. I, I think so too. Uh, but uh, of course, everybody, whether whether the crack in there or not, we can all make sure we go to have fun at Flatstick, any of their six locations around Washington, but especially at that South Lake Union location where you could get 50% off games before the game and a dollar off beer afterwards if you show your Kraken ticket. Um, uh, yeah, I certainly think mini golf is the way to go. It is unfortunate that we're not going to be in Seattle at the same time uh, next week, RJ, so we can't do something but i'm i'm trying to to figure out like how i'm gonna be traveling around seattle so i can try to get into to flat stick and play some mini golf and and hopefully meet some of you all there as well um don't forget everybody oh i should have been talking about this the whole time next cracking game we're gonna be live for live game commentary over at patreon link in the description below um where all of our terror of the deep tier patrons get to join us for that one it's the rematch against the oilers look it's just like all these post-game lives. It will be fun regardless of what 
Kraken team shows up to it. Uh, hope, But just think, if the good Kraken show up, how much fun we're really going to have watching them hopefully get some revenge on the Oilers. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It always is. Everybody always has a great time. So looking forward to doing that with everybody. But until then, got to say, we'll see you all next time.